Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Marlon! Yeah. <laughs> they started off kind of good and then it just <laughs> kind of died. I'm just kind of figuring out what kind of a... Uh, which which mon do I have on air this morning? What do you mean which mon you have on air this morning? <laughs> I feel like I'm your most stable radio ho- co-host ever. That's probably true, actually. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, is actually true. Yeah. yeah. I'm a carrier. Take it back. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> I'm cool, calm, relaxed like a cucumber. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yes, this is true. What are you grateful for this morning? Like? I, am grateful. Right I am grateful that uh, I'm grateful that you're my co-host because I get entertainment every yeah, single bless, morning. Bless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so sweet, Lyle. I am grateful for my new toy. Oh, you've got a new toy? I wore my new toy on my wrist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So I have a, a new uh, pedometer fitness tracker Fitbit thing. Yep. And I am just obsessed with it, Lyle. And it is actually helping me keep up my movement because I'm so just. <laughs> and you know how much you sleep. Yes, and you know how much yes. of it is deep sleep All and how much cycles. is REM sleep. And- yeah. Yeah, it's really great. And uh, there's a there's a team of us. Uh, you get to play these like weekly challenges with like people who who have the same kind of Fitbit. And um and so I, I'm actually playing with several friends from around the globe. And uh, and like last night, for example, I was looking at it while I was getting ready for bed and discovered that someone had bested me about by five thousand steps. And I was like, nah, can't handle that. And so I'm sitting in my pajamas on, I strapped my joggers on, I went for a run for half an hour. This is a good thing. Yeah, competition I, is a good thing. And I couldn't sleep properly because I was all hooped up on, on adrenaline. Anyway, I still won the day. Um, so yeah, wood wood to me. Although the the week is like a week long challenge. So you, you like you win every day, but then at the end of the week they tally it up. So we'll what does the winner get? Bragging rights? Yeah, yeah, you get like a badge, like a digital badge kind of a thing, and bragging mm. rights. Anyway, anyway, today is uh, the broad uh, the delayed broadcast introduction happening. It is. Yeah. So you won't get the news. You won't get the weather. Um, you can't be in the quiz. You can't be in the. Um, um, well, they could be if no one else has answered it and it's still going, but yeah. it's unlikely. It's yeah. unlikely. You can't you can't call and talk to us. You can't talk. I mean, call you and can, to but Shell, it won't be about the same pro- pro- um, uh, topic. You can and call we'll, and talk we'll to us confused. anytime. Yeah, it's just more confusing for you. Yep. And the solution is to jump across to the live show. So go to faithfm.com.au and press play on the live stream, or you can download the TuneIn app, or just give us a call one eight hundred FaithFM and talk to us about getting the live show to your area. Anyway, stay tuned. We have a great show coming up, starting for you right after this wonderful Cat Cheap song. Here is a story from the good book we know. A story about a miracle that happened long ago. We hope that you'll take courage when temptation you meet. There's somebody watching you who's strong when you're weak. They wouldn't bear. They held on to the will of God, so we're told. They wouldn't bow. They would not bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. Now the prophet Daniel tells about three men who walked with God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the wicked king they stood. And the king commanded them bow and throne in the fiery furnace that day. But the fire was so hot that the men were slain who forced them on their way. Now when the three were cast in and the king rose up to witness his awful fate, he began to tremble at what he saw and in astonished tones he spake. 
Did we not cast three men bound into the midst that fire? Well, oh, I see four men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. Their Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They would not bow their knees to the idol they of gold. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. They held on to the will of God, so we are told they wouldn't bow. They could not bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. They wouldn't bow. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. was the Statler Brothers, the fourth man here on Faith FM. Let's go to our quiz, our rolling quiz. What have you got for us this morning, Mon? Okay, so uh, we got up to, we did the first three clues of this quiz already yesterday. Okay. So what number am I? So it's a what number of my quiz and we're now going to do clue number four. Uh, if you still want to see yesterday's clues, jump across to our Instagram uh, Faith FM Live is the name of our account, and you can just click your finger on our profile page, and you'll be able to see all of yesterday's clues uh, playback for you. So, what number are I? Clue number four: the river coming out of Eden, separated into this many rivers. Okay. The river coming out of Eden, separated into this number of rivers. So there what must have been a lake. And there must have been a kind of a lake in Eden with uh, four outlets. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, that's what I'm picturing it as. Okay, okay. Yeah, four rivers coming out of the lake. I was just picturing one massive chunker of a river splitting into smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on, what have you got for positively, positively different news this I morning? have got some really cool news, Lyle. This is about something that we're both interested in. Honeys and bees. Okay. You know, we, you and I consider ourselves to be a little bit of a honey connoisseurs. Uh, but it turns out, I didn't know this, but you know when you see a, a bee on the footpath and it's sort of like struggling along and uh, you think, oh man, that bee's about to die. Maybe it stung something and it's time's over. Turns out that's actually a uh, starving bee. Uh, I didn't know that. And uh, which is kind of sad because I've seen a lot of them lately. But an English inventor has actually designed something to act as a lifeline for exhausted honeybees. Um, so it's actually a little, uh, like credit card size card. They call them bee savior cards and uh, you can keep them in your wallet, keep them in your pocket. And the cards hold three different stashes of sugar solution, uh, which can be used as a life saving snack for pollinators. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, really cool. Um, so you see the bee struggling along, you scoop it up with your credit card. It has a little bit of feed and it flies away. Exactly. Exactly. It's so cool. It's so cool. when I was a kid, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. we always used to, um, whenever we found a bee like that, my mum would always get a uh, little bit of honey on the end of a knife and just feed it to the bee oh, and then the bee would be happy and fly away. That's so sweet. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, I, I, I had no idea. I just thought they were like, you know, they were grandpa bees about to die. Um, so I didn't realize they were actually like starving, having an issue bee. Uh, so it says bees have a speedy metabolism. They'll often starve if they're unable to find flowers or nectar within 40 minutes of their oh, last meal. Oh, really? 
Yeah, 40 minutes. It's a short window, man. Um, so if you ever see a bee crawling around the footpath, uh, it's a good chance that it was unsuccessfully searching for food. And uh, if you happen to be carrying one of these bee saviour cards, you can simply peel back the foil uh, on one of the formula stashes and offer it to the bee as a quick energy boost. And then what you can also do is you can use, like you said, use the credit card to scoop up the bee and uh, and carry it to the next nearest flower that you can find. It might not be the right kind of flower. It might not so be. when you peel back the foil, can you put the foil back over the top again and, and it just lasts forever? I'm actually not sure. Use it three times. I'm actually not sure. I really hope it's reusable because otherwise that's a lot of plastic yeah. going into, into, into garbage. No, that's a very cool idea, though. I think bees are amazing creatures. Um, and, you know, of course, they are threatened by all kinds of, you know, things that we spray on the environment these days and place into the environment. And, of course, without bees, 75% of our food crops are gone. Yeah, they're, they're vital to the, the food chain. And uh, actually, you know, this, this, this invention was actually um, uh, group funded by group fundraising within 36 hours. So, yeah, very, very quick campaign, one of the most wow. successful ones in terms of time. Um, they did say, though, this, and this is interesting, ecologists have actually cautioned people to be careful of how they handle exhausted bees because some pedestrians are feeding stationary bees in late summer, which apparently are usually worker bees that have been banished from their hive, and feeding them might actually prolong their struggle. So you have to you have to be able to pick them. So if it's late summer and it's stationary and they're just sitting there like like they're having their last moments, yes. leave it alone. But um, if it's like in warm urban areas and there's not much greenery or foliage, but it's a poor bee that's been banished from its hive. It's just like yeah, I don't I don't know if it, if it means they can never find another hive or if like they're just done for. I don't know. Maybe it was I don't know. It got banished for a reason, right? Probably. Yeah. Maybe because it was ill and they didn't want it to spread bee disease. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, if it is, but it, if, it, if it is walking, trying to like move, it is looking for food. Um, so, yeah, so even if you don't get one of these cards, I'm hoping they make it to Australia because this was a British inventor. But even if they don't and make it to Australia, and if they don't make it to Australia, carry some honey with you. Yeah. I mean, this Feed will, it some honey. They're up and going. This will be obviously easier than carrying a jar of honey in your back pocket. <laughs> We can't all be Winnie the Pooh. Um, but yeah, these little cards will be great. Just to, I mean, if I see these, I will buy these and put these in my pocket. Because uh, I do see them a lot. I don't have much space in my pocket for a chew, even a chew of honey. And it's good for your mental health to help out small creatures. It oh, absolutely, loyal, absolutely is. Um, in fact, you can t- tell a lot about a person's character by how they treat small, helpless animals. That um, doesn't say good things about me when it comes to mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't helpless. They're a menace. They get everything they deserve, all right? <laughs> Let's just lay that there. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share with you something else. Um, this is really cool. Uh, so there's a guy, he's called a sound tracker, and he's on a mission. He's quite determined to create quiet parks as part of his mission to save silence. So he's a sound tracker. That means that, that, that sort of... The word seems the wrong way around. Yeah. It seems like, oh, I'm chasing sound. Let me find some sound. It's like, no, I'm chasing silence. He should be a silence tracker, not a sound well, tracker. Well, actually, you're on the right track because he is a sound tracker who travels all over the world in order to, rec- in order to record rare or disappearing sounds. At that point, oh. he noticed that silence is what actually is disappearing. How crazy is that? That's um, amazing. His name's Gordon Hempton. So you can actually look him up. He's got some really cool stuff. 
Um, and yet he's actually spent the last few years um, fighting to protect the world's quietest places from noise pollution and the sounds of intrusive human presence, which we all know is an issue. You know, it's, it's actually really hard to go anywhere these days and not hear a human population somewhere in the background. Um, he actually became first inspired to preserve silence. It seems such a weird thing to say, to preserve silence, uh, when he visited the Hot River Valley in Washington. Um, and he said he had to hike three miles in order for the sounds of the roads and parking um, car parks to fade away. Um, but his trek through the woods eventually did bring him to an approximate square inch of silence, which he believes is the quietest place in the US at the moment. <laughs> which is incredible. Um, a square inch of silence. Yeah, a square inch of silence. And you have to imagine this guy, like, he so carries... get one ear into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Half an ear. Yeah. And um, he's now described this place as, a, as, a, as, a, as one of the quiet parks that he wants to protect. Um, so, you know, and, and does that by, by not allowing uh, further um, infrastructure to be built closer towards these quiet areas. And I do think this is really important because... I don't think we realize how bombarded we are by background noise uh, every day and uh, and how important it is for us just for like the stress and our emotional health and our mental health to just get out there in nature and just sit in complete silence. I couldn't agree more. And I think that we become addicted to noise. Oh, absolutely. Like, and we, we can't live without it. And we stress exactly. you know, when, we, there's no, when there's no noise around. But when you actually listen to nature and listen to the silent sounds of nature, it, uh, it it it's just rejuvenating. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and exactly what you said is true. People sometimes start to freak out when there's no background noise. You know, look how many people need to have the TV on in the background, even if no one's watching it anymore. And um, and yeah, and so this this guy, he's got such a cool job. He like just hikes out into the bush, into the wilderness, with you know all these these microphones and headsets. And then he just sets all his equipment up, and then he just listens. It's such a cool thing to do. But yeah, the, he's already got 165 um, additional quiet parks that he's identified um, that he's working on uh, in the future to, to get them protected. Uh, so he's got a, a non-profit organization called Quiet Parks International. And you can actually jump on there and there's about 100 quiet parks listed around the world that you can go if you want to experience silence. <clears throat> and it actually blows my mind to think that some, some kids growing up today might never have even experienced silence um you know silence in nature because you know maybe they've never gone camping and maybe they're not going out bush maybe they've just always been in the suburb been in the city and they've never actually heard what silence sounds like and so jump on this jump on this website uh just google quiet parks international and uh and check out there's like some videos there of what you, you know you can expect to experience if you do find uh, an opportunity to go to one of these quiet parks. Uh, but definitely something that I think um, you should all check out. I'm going to have a look and see if there's any in our area. Maybe I'll go see if I can find a quiet place. I do have a little shotgun mic that I can like plug into my phone. So maybe I'll like listen. Anyway, if you're on any social media, you can look up the hashtag save quiet and, uh, and get on board uh, with other people who are out there looking for quiet places. Um, but yeah, this is the song JJ Heller with The Well. And we'll be back I bought into the light And I spent all my gold When I feel alive How will I ever be whole? And I bartered my dreams For glitter and smoke I was rich as a king But my heart was broke
back everybody that was jj heller with the well here on faith fm let's have another clue for the quiz there mon get ready to call 1-800-324-843 the answer is already out there you just need to find it yeah um, this is actually our last last clue for this quiz lyle and then we have to make up our own clues so uh what number am i the number of men nebuchadnezzar saw walking around in the fiery furnace if you know the answer mm. to that question, how many men were in the, in the burning fiery furnace, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843. P.S. The prize today is a book called The Miracle of the Seventh Day Ox. Oh, this is a cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a funny story. It's written by Bradley Booth, and it's... um. It's a, yeah, it is a really cool story. I don't know if I should say too much about it because I might spoil it. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Um, but it's about uh, a guy, uh, Nikolai Pan- Panchuk. He's a pastor living in communist Russia, um, struggling as a prisoner of the KGB to find his purpose. And uh, being persecuted for his Christian faith, and he remains uh, he remained in a Serbian uh, prisoner camp for 10 years uh, where he refused to sacrifice his faith and uh, suffered the consequences. He was harassed and beaten and dejected. And uh, he found hope in an unlikely source, an old ox named Maxim. Yes. And with the help and strength of God, Nikolai and Maxim worked together to perform a weekly miracle. So, mm, this miracle of the seventh day ox by Bradley Booth. Uh, it's a true story based on a true story. And a story. really good read. And a really good read. Really wonderful book. Um, bit of a thriller, if you like. Give us a call now if you want to uh, answer that quiz and win your copy of The Miracle of the Seventh Day Ox. Okay, so we've got a number of uh, health stories that we need to talk about this morning. Uh, in the news this morning, one in relationship to dementia. And, uh, of course, dementia is a major problem in our world at the moment. In fact, since the year 2000 in the United States, there has been an 89% increase in rates of dementia, and it's protect- protected to, by 2050, cost the United States $1.1 trillion. Trillions. It is now the sixth leading cause of death, and it is, of course, incurable, and it kills within four to eight years. 
I'm, I'm just so, away. Yeah, that's some serious stuff right there. I didn't realize that dementia was a cause of death, though. Yeah, absolutely. How, uh-huh. can, it, how can it kill you? Is this just complications from dementia? Yeah, well, your brain sort of just, um, you know, if, you, if your brain dies, you die. And your brain is dying with dementia. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a very, very serious disease. Um, new study from the uh, World Health Organization has pointed out that at least a third of all dementia cases are preventable. Really? Yeah. How so? Um, basically, there um, there's no pills. You can't take pills to cure it, but it comes down to, yeah, guess what? Lifestyle. Diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Those are the two big ones right there. Um, there are 50 million people right now, currently right now, suffering with dementia around the world, and all of them will d- die as a result of their disease. Um Age is a risk factor, uh, but dementia is not natural, neither is it inevitable. This is what the report is saying. Um, Okay, so the number one thing that uh, people need to bear in mind with dementia is to stay active. Okay. So inactivity is the biggest cause of dementia. And I was just looking for um, some stats um, going back more than two thousand, more than the year two thousand, because the thought went through my mind: is okay, why is it that elderly people are so much more inactive than what they were before? Why do we have this massive increase in dementia? And you know what I think it comes down to? What's that? Screens. Oh, really? Yeah. You think about this: before there were screens, there was not. You did not have things to keep yourself occupied that involved sitting. But since the invention of screens, you can keep yourself occupied while sitting. And so sitting is the big cause of dementia. Staying still is the big cause of dementia. And so if you stay active and you are moving and you are growing a garden or you are walking regularly or you're going fishing or whatever it might be, um, playing golf or lawn bowls or um, you know any of these activities, mm. that is the single biggest thing that you can do to prevent dementia. So it might be time to switch off the wheel wheel of fortune and the prices. Absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, get rid of the get rid of the TV uh, screens out of the um, old people's homes and watch what happens. Watch the change that takes place. I think that's an incredible idea. I also um, I don't know if you know this, Lyle, but my grandma actually passed away from dementia. <clears throat> And uh, it took quite a few years for her to get to that stage. And in the years leading up to that, it was really horrific to watch. Mm. Um, watch, you know, a grown woman, uh, you know, having to wear diapers and, and all this kind of stuff. And it was just really horrible and sad. Um, and of course, you know, I was, I know this might sound a bit selfish, but I was also concerned that it was going to be hereditary. So I looked into it. Um, and I, from my studies that I've learnt, um, <clears throat> and I often see this, uh, uh, reiterated through you know more and new studies that come out, but they actually say that on the diet side of things, uh, sugar is one of the biggest causes of dementia as mm-hmm. well, um, and also uh, having high levels of aluminium in your blood uh, from uh, applying different kinds of uh, chemicals. And, and it's actually kind of sad because you know a lot of at, at that point, this is you know going back a, I don't know a decade and a half or so now, uh, there was still a lot of aluminium. Uh, Everyone cooked in aluminium. Yeah, yeah, and also like like in deodorants and sprays and all kinds of makeup and beauty products. And so that's one of the that's pretty much the main reason I've never worn deodorant at all. Um but it's all right, I still smell like a flower. <coughs> <laughs> um but yeah and it's always struck me that, you know, sugar combined with inactivity is just the start 
of a world of problems. Just yep. a long, long list. It's just a tip of the iceberg. Okay, really. so, so moving on from there, um, exercise, and, and what you're saying is absolutely true, but uh, lifestyle diseases such as diabetes and uh, cardiovascular diseases are two big indicators of um, dementia. Of course, those are choices to have those diseases. Um, and then the third thing on the list is an active social life. So good exercise, staying moving, staying away from lifestyle diseases, having an active social life, and then not overeating, um, drinking alcohol or using or smoking is number four on the list. So there's your, t- your, your top four for not getting for avoiding dementia as far as your lifestyle goes. And I just say, you know, this, the, just join a church. Oh, amen. You yeah. know, have a community. Be part of a community. You're going to have an active social social life. And if you go to an Adventist church, you're going to be constantly encouraged to not live drink. healthfully yeah. and not drink <laughs> and, you know, all of these things. God knew what he was doing when he created the church Okay, family. things to avoid, things, big don'ts. Don't take vitamin B or vitamin <laughs> E or fish oil or multi-complex supplements. Um, those are uh, things that the World Health Organization is telling us uh, not to have anything to do with. Okay, another uh, health story here real quick. I do want to get to this one, and this one relates to menopause. And a new report from the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology has uh, revealed that menopause does not contribute to weight gain. Oh, so you can't blame that anymore? No, you can't. But what it does contribute to is weight redistribution. <laughs> wait, wait a second, what? Yep. Okay, so what's going to happen is that the weight will come off of um, all other parts of your body and, and uh, head to your waist. So your fat moves around, basically. It moves around. It's exactly what happens. And, of course, central body fat uh, then creates a high danger for cardiovascular disease and dementia, which women have higher rates of than men because their fat redistributes itself and it's that central body fat is what kills yeah, it's you. Yeah, danger one. Okay, and so the lesson here is that you know when when you're when you when you're reaching menopause don't be measuring your weight and your body fat index because that may not change you need to be measuring your waistline put a tape measure around your yes, waist yes that's where the critical issue is because it will redistribute itself to your waist and uh, you could be standing on the scales and thinking you're all in good shape when in actual fact you're not, not yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a uh, a, a big warning uh, button there, and of course the um, what does contribute to weight gain is aging. Okay. Because your metabolism slows down, and you need to eat a lot less food. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, what they what the the, the the message that they're putting out here uh, from this particular report is that you need to make lifestyle changes in your forties to carry through into your fifties. So you need to make them in your thirties. And a big one of those is cutting down on the portion sizes, um, food portion sizes. Um, so that's number one on the list. And then exercise, plant based diet, and reduce stress. Those are the, uh, the, the the four big issues in, I guess, preparation for menopause. Uh, we are going to move on to an interview coming up after this song. And we actually in, uh, interviewed this lady back at Big Camp. And we just want to let you know that it's a two-part interview. We have the first part playing today and the second part playing tomorrow because this lady and her ministry was so interesting. We thought this interview was so important that we stretched out to two. So enjoy part one today and check in back tomorrow for part two. And uh, for now, this is Anna Beden with the song Unimagined. I'm 
joy deep inside your soul Have you ever felt a love that never would grow cold And have you ever found the peace that trumps no matter what may come And the patience of a high school teacher Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And joining us in our tent studio to record this interview is Jennifer Jill Schwartzer. Now, what did you just say? 
Is that how you pronounce it, Jennifer? No, you say schwerzer. Okay, okay, say it with me. Schwer. Schwer. Zer. Zer. Schwer. Zer. Schwerzer. No, yeah, you just stopped. No, he didn't. He you did fine. You went schwer, zer, and then you went schwer, zer. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so for everybody who's listening in and thinking, these guys are giving Lyle a hard time. It's because he's This is wrong. my excuse. My excuse is that Monica and Jennifer Jill, I'll leave it right there for now, have known each other for like ever. And ever since they walked into the studio here, they've just been like talking away, like catching up. And <laughs> I think the other part of the issue is that it's a German surname, right? Yep. Yeah, right. and I'm German, and yeah. you're. Short, short <laughs> so this is why I'm. I think that's probably the biggest issue. Quietly getting crucified on the other <laughs> side of the microphone for mispronouncing. Mon, how many times have you mis- 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 mispronounced uh, Indian names and Greek names that's and it, Bible it. names? I, I'm, I'm excellent at pronouncing all cultures' names because I'm a cultured individual. Lyle. <laughs> okay, so you just the, the, the thing is the thing is we just do it with confidence. But anyway, that's it. Jennifer Jill. Yeah, we are so thankful to have you here on the you show today. You can call me that; that's fine. Yeah, that will. That, I, I can pronounce that just fine. Perfect. And you've known Mon for a while, about ten years. Yeah, about ten years. And ten. now, Mon, you just walked out of your cabin the other day and just randomly. I d- she you know, yeah. didn't even know I was here. Didn't even know she, she was going to be here. Country said, Jennifer Jill, you're here. And yeah, I was like, yeah, you're here. <laughs> you know, Australia is a big country, you know, and I don't know who's going to be where. So yeah, it was because the last time I spoke to her, she was like, "Yeah, I want to come out to Australia. Finally, I've never been." out there before and so when I walked out of my cabin and I saw her walk by I was like what just happened you could have pushed me over the leaf it was great is this your first time to Australia it's my first time to Australia I've been to Welcome. New Zealand but not Australia so. Welcome yeah, to Australia it's awesome it's beautiful yes. Best so country in the world. It is. Yeah. There you go. See, have you been to the beach? Now. I have been to the. Well, I almost drowned the other day. So, yeah, I'm really sorry. In the water. But, but, but welcome to Australia. That's pretty yeah, average. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't try and kill you, it'll probably try and drown you. So you've had it. You've when had the kill you, makes you stronger. <laughs> you've had the authentic Aussie I have. experience. I feel you empowered. came here and you almost died. I'm empowered. <laughs> I'll, I'll never be it. the same. <laughs> all Americans think they're all, almost going to die when they come to Australia. I think it's really it's it's a it's a savage. Country in, in a good way, in a good way. It's like this, this wildness to it. Yeah. We, we, we love to por- portray that image anyway. Yeah, we yeah. do, and especially like just recently. Did you hear about the cassowary incident? No. So uh-uh. that was we, in Florida. Yeah, it was in Florida, that was in America. But, but, yeah, but it's Australia. It's an Australian bird. Do you know that the world's most deadliest bird is an Aussie bird, and it recently just killed an American in America who was breeding them over there. I just didn't even know there was such cement. a thing as a deadly bird. I thought snakes were deadly, but <laughs> nah, it, leave it, it to Australia it to come up with a deadly bird. What does it do? It's, it's sort of, it looks a bit like an emu, uh-huh. but it has a horn on its head, which people think like it gets slugged with, but you don't. What really kills you is that it's got three talons on its toes, and the middle one is like a giant, sharp butcher knife. Seriously. But combine that with the fact that it's one of the most agro-territorial, bad-tempered bird you could ever meet. How it's big is this bird? A little bit smaller I'll than an ostrich. Make sure to avoid them. Like, how, what yeah. size are we talking? Yeah, a little bit smaller than an ostrich. So pretty tall. Okay. Like, as tall as a human. So yeah, just don't fall over and don't go where it is. And okay. if you, I think the, I think the protocol they're is they're up on Cape York. Freeze. I don't think, I don't think Jennifer's going to. They're in the Daintree. They're all over Queensland. Your son's seen one bushwalking. I've seen them. Oh, you have? Yeah. I've never seen one. Quite well taken. I'll be a fool. What are they called again? Cassowary. Cassowary. These things, these things take on crocodiles. Yeah. But no, anyway. No, no. But <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Cassowary versus crocodile. I'm going to be YouTubing that later. <laughs> All right. We need to get on with this interview. Mon, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about Jennifer Jill, of course. Jennifer, yes. do you know what? I, I heard, I've heard your testimony several times, and it's a really great testimony. I've actually read your book, which is just one of the most... Oh, in, like heartwarming books I've ever read. I remember Lyle when I was at Bible college many years ago, where you were one of my teachers. 
one girl had one copy of your book, Jennifer, and she was talking it up so much, and so everyone wanted to read it, and so she would like lend it to one person, and that person would lend it to another person, and in the end, it was like 20 Bible students all trying to read the same book, Which stealing book it, it out of each other's rooms. Um, so you, Testimony of a Seeker? Yes, and then the other one as well, the one about the most precious, message. most precious love. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those are like both out of print, but they're ebooks. But they're great. No. They're great. No. And so yeah, we were all like hawking over the one, ah. <laughs> being very unchristian, stealing it out of each other's ah. rooms and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> but it was a great book, and uh, and that's how I first got to know about your story. So I guess you know, could you give us a five minute oh. testimony? Well, I was raised in a conventional American home. With an intact family, I didn't have any big tragedies. I have nothing to complain about. Good family, decent parents, uh, but there was an emptiness inside. And so as a young person, I studied Eastern religions. I was raised in a nominal Christian context, but I needed something more than what I was getting. And I started to study Eastern religions and began to meditate and adopt that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. I ended up in college. I was uh, studying. It It was a very unusual college. It was kind of a non-conventional format and a lot of opportunities to get exposed to different things. And so I was getting all of that exposure, studying all of these different world religions, trying to decide, you know, which direction to go. And I was always very spiritual, always very intent upon figuring out what the truth was. That was mm. that was my quest in life. And I I did believe that there was a God. I didn't know if the God was a man, a woman, an it, a force. And so I just, but I did believe that the God was benevolent and that the God had a plan for my life. And based on that premise, I began to seek out uh, spiritual things. And I was looking mostly in the arena of Eastern type philosophies and practices, meditation, this type of thing. And yet I was exposing myself to everything, including some occult things and some other you know psychology different methods of psychology trying to find that that answer you know really and at the end of a year of college searching for that answer some christians came to my home i lived in a farmhouse in the country and they showed up at the house one night they had rented the house before us and actually subletted the house to the people that were now living in it and they came to the house one night, and everybody avoided them. But the Holy Spirit, who I didn't know was the Holy Spirit at the time, but he tapped on my shoulder and said, don't avoid these people. You're open to everything. You've got to be open to what they say, too, because everybody could tell they were Christians. They were wearing, like, buttons that said Jesus saves and stuff like that. So I went up to them and said, "What? what is it? What are you into? And they started to share with me. They'd had an experience with Jesus. And... I started to attend different religious services with them and talk to them, and they were sharing the scriptures with me and asking me to give my heart to Jesus. I wasn't ready. I went home for a week. I struggled emotionally so intensely during that week, but I became convicted that that they had something. However, I first, you know, sort of got involved in Christianity on an experimental basis, I'll be honest. I wasn't thinking, I know this is true, but I was thinking, it looks like it is, and I'm going to road test it, is basically what I thought. So, um, one night I found myself in my room, I had a terrarium, I was always meditating in front of this terrarium, and I found myself in my room praying in front of the terrarium and saying, Jesus, take me back to the Father. I, I knew somehow, intuitively, that Jesus was the bridge between humanity and God. 
and that we couldn't make our way to God, because that's the premise on which all world religions operate, is that humans can make their way back to God. And here I was being confronted with really what is the core truth of the gospel is you can't do it yourself. And so I was accepting that and I was saying, Jesus, take me back to God, because I'd been very spiritual for a long time, meditating. I was more faithful spiritually than I than I am now with my uh, doing meditation than I am now with my devotions. So um, it's not that I, I love doing devotions, but I was super regimented and really strict about it. And uh, so I found myself praying, Jesus, take me to the Father. And then this peace that passes understanding came upon me. A short time later, I visited some people that knew their Bibles, and they gave me a book called Steps to Christ. I started reading that book. I was completely unable to understand Christianity at first, but that book helped break it down for me in a way that I could understand. For instance, one of the things that I believed starting out as a Christian without any knowledge of the Bible was that if I that God forgave the sins of the past, but that if I sinned again, I would be lost and have to go to hell. I really believe that. I was so ignorant of, you know, what the Bible teaches. So this book, Steps to Christ, really helped me to understand the gospel, how it worked in a practical setting, and I began to read that book, and the Lord used it mightily. I remember one night, just a quick story, I was very stressed out, and I was in my room in the farmhouse that I lived in, and I had a friend there, and the friend slept in my bed, and I slept on the floor, and I remember my back being just full of tension, and I had this this dream, apparently, but it may have been some kind of vision uh, where I woke up and Jesus was standing next to me and he touched me and all the tension went out of my back and I fell back asleep. So I had kind of those really kind of supernatural experiences, I think, early on in my walk, several miracles, you know, because God knew I didn't know the scriptures and I couldn't rely on that to follow, you know, because he, he leaves us this love letter, the Bible, and says, follow me, and here's the information you need to do that. But I didn't know the Bible, and I didn't even know how to study it, and I didn't have anybody to teach me the Bible. So I needed those miracles, and God knew that, so he touched my life in that way. But gradually, he led me to a community of other Christians, and I was able to start studying the Bible with them and came to an awareness of it. How old were you when you, uh, <clears throat> when you came to that you know, fully came to that awareness of um, your, you know, you know, the Bible and... and um, I was 18, 19. It was right around the winter when I turned from eight, because I went into college at 18, and then I became 19, uh, February of that year. So it was around then that I experienced this conversion. So I was either 18 or 19 years old when I first started. And how did your family respond to that? Well, there were some changes I made because I started studying really deeply and I started interfacing with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is, I think, the church that I found that was new, most knowledgeable on the Bible. And they began to show me things like the Sabbath, which is the seventh day, and things in baptism, uh, the whole idea of actually being baptized through immersion. And those kinds of things kind of offended my family because they felt like their Christianity wasn't good enough, and so it became a little bit of a competition, I think. They felt like I'd been baptized as an infant with sprinkling, and that should be enough. Why should I get baptized with immersion? Things like that came up. Were they Plus, more concerned with you becoming um, New Age or becoming a different version much, of Christianity? Much, much more concerned with 
me having a different version of Christianity. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I've often seen that. It's um, but honestly, like I have to be honest here and upfront that the group that I got acquainted with that influenced me initially were pretty fanatical, to be honest with you. And there was some some I don't know. There was just kind of this spirit of rigidity and fear. I would say that kind of characterized my interactions with my family because here I'm trying to set up a different lifestyle and I don't want to do some of the stuff and I would go in with kind of fear or sometimes I would pressure them to change and so I think the the group that I was with influenced me to be more uh, to sabotage what might have gone better in terms of my parents adjusting to my new convictions but anyway it's all over the water over the dam and what happened was I just stuck to my guns. I didn't change my mind, and they eventually got used to it. We're still very close. I do think a lot of people go through that phase, you know, when they first become a Christian, and they just, they're just so hard-nosed and straight line, and they're not negotiable on anything, and they, you know, and they often have an experience with their family where they kind of repel their family for a while there. You know, and thankfully, God is merciful in that time, and... Um, you know, and, and, and he, he he has mercy on us. And he, I, th- I like to think that he soothes the families where a new Christian who might be a bit of a bit of a, a bit of an upstart uh, is living in. And I just want to say, true. they yeah. needed soothing. I mean, especially my sister then sort of joined me in the same kind of ministry and stuff. And my father's favorite child was my sister. And when she came, she moved. She graduated college, and she ended up deciding to come and join me in this ministry that I was in that was completely off her career track. You know, she graduated college and he was all excited she was going to be this businesswoman and stuff. She decided to go to this ministry and he had what I think was probably a nervous breakdown. Like, this was his favorite child, his youngest child. So it was his last chance to have a kid that was like normal, (laughs) quote unquote. It was really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah. yeah. I also just want to say, I love... I love that you know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to use the word hippie, Jennifer, but I am. <laughs> you know, often when you find like the, the the hippies, or even just you know regular people who are going through that experience in life where they're trying to find God, and uh, you know, and as a Christian, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, you don't really find God because God's not lost; it's you that's, that's lost. Sure. But then God doesn't really find you either because God always knows where you are. So you know, there's no like finding really. It's it to me is instead of you know you finding God or God finding you is you coming to a realization that God was always right next to you. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah, and right. I think there's also, you know, another aspect that comes in, particularly when this is an experience that you go through as a young person, there is that enthusiasm of youth mm. that sometimes can be abrasive to older generations, mm-hmm. but God uses that enthusiasm to reach out to other people as well. So Yeah, the Bible talks about that zeal, actually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It does? Oh, zeal, not according to knowledge. Is that what you're thinking? No, as in like when they're full of yeah. zest and zeal. Well, there's both. There's an, both. Another oh, there's, thing oh, there's two different ones. Yes. This is kind of interesting from Joel. It says, um, your young men will see visions. Your old men mm. will dream dreams. So dreams are processing the past. Visions are looking into the future. So young people are looking into the future with this high le- level of energy to tackle life. And older people are kind of you know out of energy, <laughs> but processing the past. We need to be together mm-hmm. and, and work together because we have different parts of the picture. That's absolutely yeah. correct. It's a great testimony of a seeker, it really is, of a searcher. It is. Yeah. Now, Jennifer, we are um, we're going to take a bit of a break right now. Okay. Um, we're going to come back after this song. We want to continue on and... Um, oh, can I just say, I don't know if people realise, and I hope we're playing one of her songs, but Jennifer's daughter is actually one of the featured artists on Faith with Him. So, Alison Brooke, we play her music all the time. She's like a favourite on our daughter. station. Yeah. 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 And we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about that music ministry. Okay, so... Uh, 
I'm a lily of the field so green Beautiful, content as can be I grow fair beside the river I grow bright for the giver And I never
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, my name is Pastor BJ, and I'd like to invite you to join us at Bunbury Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are a vibrant church community that meets every Sabbath at 9.30am for Bible study, followed by a worship service at 11am. There are a number of groups that meet throughout the week where we eat, share and study the Bible together, including groups for families and young people. For more information, please contact me on 0422-896-553. That's 0422-896-553. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts at 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Jesus 
Jesus, my soul's in your hand.